Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. I get the delight um, this morning of introducing a fabulous speaker. <laughs> incredibly handsome. You're going to get the express version today. Please stay here. <laughs> 20 minutes, that's fine. Um, but yeah, Rob's going to kick us off on an uh, Advent series this morning, so um, looking forward to it very much. I'm going to pray for Rob. Why don't we stretch a hand to pray for him, but also just, uh, just pray for ourselves as well as the Lord speaks to us through Rob. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for Rob. We just thank you so much for the gift and the passion that you have put in him, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for the things that you have spoken to him, Father, the things that still feel uncertain, the things that seem clear, the things that um, are in your heart, Lord. Would you just fill his heart and his mind with what you want to say this morning to all of us and open our hearts, Lord, to hear your words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we're going to play a quick game together, and then we'll do the reading back, okay? I'm just going to mess with your order. Um, so if we, so bef- before the slides go up, Barry, um, let me just explain. We're going to play a quick game of Celebrity Heads. This is not quite what probably you've ever played before. I think that's the game you actually put something on your head, isn't it? Well, this is a bit different. What I'd like you to do to wake you up is I would like you, as soon as you recognize the person on the screen, to shout out their name. And the first person who does it gets a chocolate. I'm going to see whether... No, not me. (laughs) You lot are too quick. I'm going to see whether I can hear the first person and chuck a chocolate in your general direction. So... um, (laughs) <laughs> All right, so let's, let's see how we go. Let's do the first one, shall we? There we go, fantastic. Well done. All right, are you ready? Let's do the next one. Somewhere back there, someone said... Uh, okay, there you go. Oh, that's, oh intercepted. <laughs> Pray for healing my ears. Kennedy. I think I'm pretty sure that was Harry. Well done. Come on this side. You've got to keep up. Don't be louder. All right, next one. Here we go. Uh, I don't want to see any of this. Come on. Right. Oh, yes, that was... Okay. Come on. Over there somewhere. All right, one more. Elf. Oh, good stuff. As soon as I heard that, that was very clear. Have we got one more? Patrick Stewart, well done, not Ben Kingsley. That was a good try. It's harder without the hair. I got you, didn't I? Thank you for that. That's great. Okay, where's my talk? (laughs) Here it is. Beck, couldn't you come and give us the reading? Bring some um, order to this thing. Um, That would be great. We're going to start a series on Advent. This morning, and we're going to kick off from Luke 1, so I've asked Beck to come and uh, just read 
couple of sections from the 80 verses that are in Luke chapter 1. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Hi. So today we're going to read from Luke chapter 1, 5 to 17, and then 26 to 33. The birth of John the Baptist foretold. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, as he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of the incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he was born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go, before, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient of, to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 26, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The, virgin, the virgin's name was Mary, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne to the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Thank you, Beck. That's fantastic. So, as we um, come to this first Sunday in December, I hope you're getting the theme. A bit of a Christmassy feel going on. And uh, if you're anything like me... Um, this year is all over the place, and you're suddenly like, it's Christmas. Oh my goodness, what happened? We were in July, and then we disappeared for a while, and now uh, it's Christmas very soon. It's like three weeks or something. Um, so if you're not prepared, this is to help you, all right? This is to help you get prepared, get your mind set into it, because um, it's so good, isn't it, to hear those readings and to be reminded that um, the Christmas story begins with those announcements of two children coming, two baby boys coming. And as we, as we read uh, just at the end, as we heard at the end of that reading, 
it, it is about a coming of a kingdom. The Christmas story is about the moment when the kingdom is going to break in into this world. And the central figure, God's son, is going to um, come. Now, we might have expected God's son, if we think about the idea of God's son coming to the world, we might have expected God's son to be uh, a famous, very influential person, maybe like a commander of armies. If you think about all of the kind of key historical famous people, um, maybe not. Well, some of those people that we saw up, some of them weren't quite so historical. But, you know, some of the really famous people from throughout history, Perhaps they were, um, you know, famous conquerors, very deeply influential people who lots of people around the world uh, got to listen to or hear or meet. But when you think about how God came through Jesus, this little baby coming to a backwater town, coming to Judea, to a peasant girl, to Mary, not even married, Think about how humble Jesus' birth was. And really how few people know, knew about it. I mean, right, like we know the shepherds and, the, and some of the kings or the, the, the wise men were there, but not a huge extended family. You know, Nazareth, the whole of Nazareth is wondering, where did Mary and Joseph go? <laughs> like, and they disappeared. So very few people really knew about Jesus' birth so obscure. For somebody who was an influencer, think about how little of the world actually saw Jesus. I mean, today, maybe he'd be all over TikTok and Facebook and, you know, but FaceTime. Um, and, but back then, I mean, actually, how little of the world really interacted with Jesus and how little of the world even saw his ministry. I mean, think thank the Lord that we had it written down for us. But so few actually really in the known world then. For a commander, think about how small his army was. And for a conqueror, how little land he owed. Like owned, I mean, I don't think he owned any land. Mary's song, um, which we didn't get on to read because there's a lot in Luke 1, but um, verse 52, if you have your Bibles there with you, you'll see in Luke 1, she says this, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. <clears throat> God's kingdom would completely flip upside down people's understanding of power and strength. And um, <clears throat> I think we're familiar with that, aren't we? We're kind of familiar with this idea that, that Christmas reminds us that God has a different set of values to our world. But one of the things that comes through really strongly in this, these verses that we, we heard about is that there is a, there's a Jewish story that actually we're picking up. I don't know if you've ever... Um, if you have this experience, you come home and your friends or your family are in the middle of a movie and you think, do I go and join them like halfway through? Do you think, okay, sure, I'll go and sit down and relax. And I won't ask them because they're in the middle of the movie. I won't ask them what's been happening. I'll just sit and watch. I do this all the time. And then like, I won't say anything. 
And then three minutes in, you're like, um, can I, what? And they're, they're irritated that you should, like, does anyone, is that just me? No, okay. Uh, yeah, I can see people pointing. They do that. They do that. This is, this is, um, there is a story going on here already as we open up Luke. I want you to think of the Gospels as the chapter one of the New Testament, of book two, if you like. Of book two, chapter one, are all the Gospels. So we've just chosen Luke, but we could have chosen Matthew, we could have chosen Mark or John. Luke kind of explains this quite well. So what, was, what happened just before? Like, what did we miss? I want you to skip back with me to the last words of the last chapter of book one. All right? Can you guess where I'm going? Malachi. If you're not sure about Malachi, just open up the Old Testament and look at the very last bit of it. Malachi, we read this in verse 5 and 6. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. So what's going on? What's going on here? Elijah is a very important figure in Jewish thought. He's a very important figure through the Old Testament prophecies, as we read here. But he's also a very important figure in terms of some of the Jewish traditions. Don't know if um, put your hand up if you've been to a Passover feast, maybe here or somewhere else. Oh, look at you! You guys know all of this. Then you may remember a Passover feast at the Seder. Um, on Shabbat, there are, there are a number of things that happen. One of them, there is four cups that, that are drunk to remember the four ways in which the Lord redeemed his people Israel out of Egypt. But there's also a fifth cup. Who's the fifth cup for? Elijah. And, and a place is set for Elijah to come to the meal. And the door is left open. Sometimes the children are sent out to go and look for Elijah and see, has he come back yet? Because there is an expectation in, in, I would say, in the air as we open the New Testament that Elijah is about to return. And as he returns, he is like, he is like the first one of the bridal party at a wedding before the bride comes. You know that moment where you're kind of standing up and you look and you don't see the bride straight away. You see the flower girl or the bridesmaid. And you think, okay, get ready. Here we go. So that's what Elijah was meant to be. And uh, it's very clear as we get into the New Testament that we discover that John the Baptist is this returning Elijah. Now, what's going on? Is it reincarnation? No, we don't. No, that doesn't happen. So it's not actually the physical body of Elijah coming back, but it's an an-Elijah, a sort of Elijah, has come back in John the Baptist. And uh, you, you, you would have noticed, if you're listening carefully to what Beck was reading, that there, was a, there were verses there in the prophecy from Gabriel about John. It said this, He will go on in the spirit... He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children 
It echoes those verses in Malachi that we read, didn't it? So John is not just the sidekick cousin. He is a central figure in the redemptive work that was about to come. That fifth cup that's laid at Passover. The, the redemption to come. And he is, he's going to be a central figure. But it's, and this is where the mind, this is where the, the Jewish people struggled with what came after this. Because it's not what they thought. It didn't turn out what, in the way that they thought. And in fact, a little bit later in Matthew 11, Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. So John is saying, this guy is key. Because he points to who the Messiah will be. And yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. We already know that the kingdom is counter to our world. But Jesus goes one step further here. He says the kingdom of God reveals the purposes of God in a radical new way and that you're probably not going to recognize it because you have to just like those faces up there earlier you have to change your thinking to see it the story today the story of christmas i, I want to suggest for us as we kind of get into advent the story of christmas is an invitation to change our thinking that we would enter into the kingdom that was coming what does it mean to change our thinking? What am I talking about? I think there's a few ways, and I've been very um, familiar with some of this as I've been preparing this talk this, this week. I think I've done about seven different versions. And if you've spoken, you'll know that feeling of weakness. Um, and even today, as we were just going through the service, we were just wanting to go, Lord, what, what are you doing next? Do you want us to do this or do you want us to do that? That's a bit scary. But fear is one of the things that we have to lean into if we're going to embrace the kingdom of God. Because you, we enter through the kingdom through faith and faith is spelt R-I-S-K, risk. And part of risk is about fear. I love this, um, one of my favorite quotes, Alan Scott. Some of you will know of Alan Scott. He says this, Scarecrows only work because crows are dumb. All right, you know, so the scarecrows in the fields, they only work because crows are dumb. If crows were smart, they would look at the scarecrow and they'd go straight to where the seed is. But, you know, it's similar to our fear. If we can recognize that as we're trying to step out in what God's doing and we feel fear, that's where the treasure is. That's where the treasure is. So fear is part of the change in our thinking. Weakness, like I say, um, certainly have experienced that this week. You know, when... When God asks us to do things, we want to know that we can do it. But he doesn't work like that. He wants us 
to know that we can't do it without him. So God's way is to get us to a place where we can't do it without him and where we feel weak. And then his power is made perfect in our weakness. And lastly, foolishness. Foolishness. The things that God calls us to do, like going and working on a ship for six months in the middle of COVID, feel like foolishness to the world, and so often to us too. And I've, I do get a sense that um, that was lovely, Sally Mae, for sharing what God had put in my heart. And I got a sense even before the service that some of you are thinking about whether to say yes to God's calling on your lives at the moment because it feels that invitation often feels like foolishness but we have to turn our thinking upside down that's our invitation today that's our invitation as we come into christmas and um i want to finish up just by praying for us that we would lean into the things that we find scary the things that we think oh that's so silly and the things that we feel weak in. Because God is ready to use those things today. Is that all right? Let's pray together. Lord God, we are for your glory. That's what we want to see. We want to see that in our lives. We want to see that in this church. And as we come to remember just how upside down your kingdom is over this Christmas time, Lord, we ask that you would change our thinking. Lord, we pray that scary prayer, make us weak, that you would be strong. Lord, send us out where we are not confident that we would rest on you and the things that you are placing on our hearts that seem foolish, Lord, give us faith. And we receive your Holy Spirit once more again. We've been inviting him all day. But once more again, Lord, we ask for the power that only comes from him. That you would be our refuge, our strength, our fortress, our rear guard. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.